Gary put the phone down, absolutely stunned. There was no way in which he was expecting this. After all, he and Sarah had only been married for six months, and Sarah was pregnant. Really, he had not been expecting this. After all, they hadn't even talked about kids, and they certainly weren't planning on having a family just yet, but here they were. She was pregnant. Before his hand even left the phone that he laid down on his desk, within just a few milliseconds, his mind began to sweep through a whole host of things to consider. The house that they were looking at and the mortgage that would be dependent upon her income, the vacation that they had planned for six months down the road, poof, now it's gone. The size of their one-bedroom apartment and how inconvenient it would be to stay there with a baby and a whole host of other unwelcome implications. When Gary got home that night, he found Sarah in a flood of tears. She was, of course, as all expectant mothers are, worried about whether she would be a good mom. And over the course of time from her phone call to Gary's arrival at home, she'd persuaded herself that she could never be a good mom. She was scared. There is no book and there is no instruction manual for this chapter of life. Gary didn't really try to comfort her. Instead, they got into a tiff about whose fault it was that she was pregnant. (laughs) When news began to leak out, Gary and Sarah's colleagues at their jobs offered their congratulations. Commiserations is more like it, was all that Gary could think, but he put on a brave face. Yes, we're very pleased, Gary would say through gritted teeth. But inside, he wondered, what in the world is the big deal. To he and to Sarah, it just seemed like a most unfortunate accident. Behold, children are a blessing from the Lord. Do you see the massive difference in value between the way that the world looks at kids in the way that the scripture does? Listen, they got snotty noses. And what they do when they wear those diapers, it's terrible. <laughs> Can't even talk about it in church. But it's a blessing. We're finishing today our series on what do we need to know to carry the gospel with us every day. And listen, parenting, like marriage that we talked about last week, is a 24-7 obligation until you die. You want to know when you get done? Yeah, it's when we drop you off, never to return. That's when you're done. It's, it's crazy. I love it because when you, um, and uh, we have some folks that have had children recently, and you know what's always fun is they tell their labor and delivery story. And it's like a competition because like whatever your story, uh-uh-uh, I had hard labor for Three weeks, you know, before that thing popped out of my belly. And like everyone's got these war stories that they tell. And, you know, as, as a dad for 15 years now, I just kind of smile and nod and I go, you think that was the hard part? 
you got no clue what's happening over the rest of your life. So today, as we conclude this series on principles for carrying the Bible, carrying it with us every day, there is an essential need for us to have our entire way of looking at kids completely reframed. Because yes, they are expensive. And some of you have the um, braces bills to prove it. Some of you have uh, extra insurance payments that you're making now because you have a new driver in the family or uh, maybe a couple scratches and dents that have given you some extra points, a couple extra dollars to spend on that monthly bill. The thing that's important for us to note is the Bible says without question, without reserve, without embarrassment, without um, asterisk mark, that children are a blessing. And when you hear that word blessing, immediately if you are trained to think biblically, you'll remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. How blessed are, how blessed are, how blessed are, how blessed are. And sometimes when you're a parent, you feel like you're blasted rather than blessed. The question here for our first point is that if children are a beatitude, then what is your attitude? If children are a beatitude, if they are a blessing, does your attitude reflect that? If we're honest, not always. (laughs) Not always. It's difficult. It's challenging. There is never a day off. There is not a second in which you can't be vigilant. There's not a second in which you're not prayerful. But the Bible, as compared to our society, turns us towards our kids with an attitude of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's not the attitude of Western civilization, is it? It's not. As a matter of fact, in our day and age, one out of six pregnancies in the United States will end in abortion. One out of six. To bring it a little closer to home, in York County, which unless you're visiting from out of town is all of us, in 2016 there were almost 700 abortions last year in York County. We can fit about 300 people in our sanctuary, max capacity. Enough corpses to fill our sanctuary twice. We can't even get people who go to our church to show up in 600-fold. Chester County, just to our south, south, last year saw a 78% increase in abortions. It's not something you're going to read in the newspaper every day because that's terrible news. The Bible says that instead of them being an accident or an unfortunate thing, that they are a blessing. Here's the thing that's that's crazy. You know, every grandparent prays for their children to get kids just like they were, you know, so that way you get repaid. God has done you, God has done you a blessing by giving you a mirror to reflect you that is far better than any polished piece of glass. It is is amazing to me to to go in while they're sleeping 
Listen to them breathe. God has given them life. And what's amazing, it takes a little bit of you, it takes a little bit of your spouse. He creates life from that. And eventually, they're going to grow up, and they're going to give you some attitude, and um, you're going to love them anyways. But you know whose voice you're going to hear? Your own. Because the way that they sass will be the way that you sass. And the way that they freak out when things aren't happy is going to be the way you freak out when things are not happy. The way that they face impossible circumstances with determination and grace will be because they have learned that from mom and dad. It is both a blessing and a curse in some ways to see what you inherit by the investments that you make into your kids. And listen, that is an inheritance you're guaranteed to get. Mom and dad might write you out of the will, but you will receive an inheritance from your kids in watching how they grow up and seeing what you did well and what you didn't do well. So the Bible talks about the blessing of kids. Genesis chapter 128 doesn't just say that kids are a blessing. It says that they are a blessing that is to be pursued. They are, they are something to chase after. Genesis chapter 128 says, uh, talking uh, about Adam and Eve, that God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. If there is anyone on the face of the planet that should be having kids, who should it be? Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're Loving them the way that God says that we're supposed to love them. We're nurturing them. So don't have kids, okay, young couples? Don't have kids because you have a need to be needed, okay? Kids are, a, are not an expensive psychological experiment to fulfill you. You're to find your fulfillment in God. You're to find fulfillment from your spouse secondarily. Don't, don't have kids because you need to be needed. Don't have kids because your parents want to have grandkids, that's a great side benefit, okay? That is a side benefit. Don't do it because they're cute, because they will outgrow that. Um, <laughs> have kids because God wants you to. You will understand what God feels to be rejected by His creation, perhaps better than you ever will when you have kids. Listen, your people at your workplace may shun you, you may struggle in relationships. Your best friend from college doesn't keep in touch with you anymore. That's not rejection. When something you have played a part in their creation rejects you, that is rejection. But the Bible says we're to pursue it. That God wants it. Because as the garden is tended and it grows and it is fruitful and it gets bigger, His garden needs more workers. So be fruitful and multiply. Children are a blessing, they are a beatitude, and they are a beatitude that we are encouraged to pursue because we see God's blessing in that, in the gift of kids. It's interesting because the, the way that you view children really can mean a lot, not just for you, it can mean a lot for society. Now, we've already talked, we'll have high attendance Sunday next week if we can put all of the aborted babies in York County for one year here. We'd have more people in church than we do on any given Sunday. It's terrible. Here's the thing. If you are a married couple, you need 2.4 kids to replace you. 
okay? There's two of you. If you have one kid, you're not replacing yourselves as a couple. Does that make sense? I know we're doing math on a Sunday, and that's like the 11th commandment. Don't do math on Sunday. Because um, you all know, right? I don't like math, okay? It's been a while, Marcy. I had to get that in. It's been like three months, so it's on the tape. I don't like math. Um, 2.4 kids to replace yourself because not every kid lives to adulthood, tragically. So 2.4 is the replacement birth rate. The country of Japan, because they're so concerned about economics and they're so concerned about technology, has a birth rate of 1.2. Okay, think about this. The population of Japan will be, the population of an entire country will be cut in half in one generation. If they keep, keep this up, guess what happens? It's cut in half again. And in yours and my lifetime, the Japanese people could become extinct. Why? It's all about your attitude towards kids. Now, Japanese, uh, Japan does not have enough young people to conscript into military service, so guess who they're hiring? Chinese defense firms to provide, because they got an overabundance of men, to now shore up their military, because Japan doesn't even have enough to put a standing military out without help from their perennial archenemy. China will have the opportunity to take over the country of Japan without ever firing a shot. They'll be the hired military for Japan. Your attitude carries massive, massive implications for society. Here's the thing. I think a lot of times we think about, you know, the mom in labor having the kid, the blessing of the fruit of the womb. We have to understand for our second point that the blessing of children is not only biological. That's normal. Seems to be the way God works most of the time. <clears throat> I have a friend, and uh, for whatever reason, God in His wisdom has done what the, the Bible calls closing the womb. This is not a biological possibility. And uh, that is a strange kind of fate in life to have to live with. Because you don't even have a sonogram to weep over what you lost. You don't even know what you lost. It's, you've never felt the flutter in your tummy. You've never had to wait for your husband to get home with a little pregnancy test to show him and see, watch him pass out, you know, as he hears, you know, what has happened. There's, there's none of that. There's just, there's a barrenness and there's a sadness that goes that doesn't have a name or a face or a picture or an experience to even know what it's weeping over. And so at this point, there's a truth that is deeply theological, but also incredibly practical, and it's this. Every person who is a part of God's family becomes a part of God's family by adoption. There is no one who is born into God's family. It just doesn't happen. You can't say, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. You, like Chloe or Donovan, there has to be a point in time where you put your faith in Christ. And what God does mystically when we place our faith in Christ, He adopts us into His family and we inherit all of the blessings that He has. That's an incredible thing. We're talking about the family, but we're talking about the gospel here too. And so I want you to hear three Bible passages that talk about 
this process by which God brings His children into His family by adoption. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 says this, God sent His Son that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we call out Abba, Father. One of the most pernicious lies of the day is to assume that all of creation are God's children. People who have put their faith in Christ are His children by adoption. The rest of the world is merely His creation. You have the opportunity today to move from simply being an animated lump of clay to being a son that inherits every blessing that He has for us in Christ. And so as we talk about this blessing of children not simply being biological, Listen, people in the first service was wondering where where I was going with this. Like, what's the application? We're grandparents. We're not about to go start having babies. There's a little different application to you here today. Because you go, you know, maybe not, maybe not. What about fostering? You've got kids who, um, through no fault of their own, have moms and dads that have screwed up, and now they're in jail. And now you've got kids that are three or four years old. They don't even know what mom and dad has done. And you've got a government worker caring for them? Really, is that the best that we can do? You might as well just send them to the post office, you know? And then they'll be lost for sure. Not going to know what's going on. Who are the people that should be caring for these people who are hopeless and lost? You can't convince me that there's any finer people than Christians to be involved in the foster care system. Not only do you get a chance to be a family to a kid that doesn't know what a family is, you have the opportunity to be a missionary to a kid that doesn't know. Some of you go, man, fostering, that's too hard. Don't know what the situation is. Listen, you know an awesome way, and this is just cool how God does this, an awesome way to build your family and also do international missions, take in an exchange student for one semester. Now, let me tell you, they're going to have to get used to sweet tea grits and fried food um, from almost any country in the world. But how awesome would it be if a teenager who's here from a foreign country who you struggle to communicate with, living under your roof, goes back after one semester having lived with you, not only having had a pleasant cultural experience, 
but they have, to, they have the opportunity to go back to the country from which they came with the gospel. An opportunity not only to do what God has told you to do, be fruitful and multiply, but to do international missions without ever leaving the comfort of your own home. If God brings children into His family by adoption, then why have you perhaps not considered it yourself? And I'm thrilled to see people come up to me after the first service and talk about how either they or their children have adopted and how proud and how sweet in God's providence that of all the children that they could have adopted, they got the very right one. Isn't that kind of strange how that seems to work out? That the, of all the children up, you got the one that was just right for you. I think everybody tries to do the best that they can when it comes to parenting. We have the benefit of having His most sure word. And if there is anyone that should be invading the foster care, the foreign exchange, or the adoption process, friends, it should be believers. We don't just love their body. We love their soul. And these are all awesome ways to build your family and to build God's family because the blessing is not simply biological. Third and finally, when we talk about the blessing that kids are, if we're fully going to understand the blessing that children are, then that means that we have to steward the blessing. And stewarding the blessing means a proper upbringing. A proper upbringing. Now, this is not the fun part, you know, talking about discipline and parenting, um, but let's just say, um, suffice it to say, uh, the conceiving part, not enough, maybe the most fun part, but not, not enough when it comes to upbringing your kids. Um, nurture, absolutely necessary. It's not the full deal. To keep them safe and help them to grow strong, that's important and that's a priority. But the most important thing for us is to shape them to be people who will walk with God and labor in His garden. Who cares if your kid graduates summa cum laude or laude how come? If they have learned to walk with God and are content to use all of their gifts and abilities for His glory alone, will you have been successful regardless of what they make? Absolutely. Absolutely. And my fear is that sometimes we might vote pro-life, which that's not a political issue. That's a Bible issue, okay? So if a political party changes their allegiance, then guess what? I'm changing political parties. I'm going to vote what the Bible tells me to vote. And I don't care what the political parties say. I'm going to vote with whoever is most consistent with what the Bible says. And I hope that's true for you too, that you're going to go with the Bible every time you vote. My, My fear is that we vote pro-life, so, you know, once or twice every couple of years, you get to show how pro-life you are, but when it comes to how you parent every day, your parenting principles don't look any different than your lost neighbor that is right next to you. You get put in the roof over their house, you're feeding them, and you're loving them, but you're not discipling your kids. Oh yeah, we want to give money to help people in Canada and North America, we want to reach people in Africa, but we're not discipling our own family. We've missed it because we're so enamored with educational attainment and occupational success 
that we've completely forgotten about progress in their walk with God. We're more concerned about their earning potential than we are about their Christian character. We're more concerned about their accolades than their submission to their Lord. I love the way 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 says it. 3 John is only one chapter, but it, it just felt weird to say 3 John 4. So 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. That's the Apostle John writing that to a church. And uh, of course, he doesn't have biological children. He's talking about the churches. And he says, as an apostle and as a church planter, his greatest joy is to hear that his children, his churches are walking in truth. What brings you the deepest joy? The bonus at the end of the year? The boat in the driveway? The vacation home? Just not being messed with? You know, just kind of having your leisure time? Being in charge and living life the way you think you should? What brings you joy? John says he has no greater joy than to hear of his children walking in truth. I can't think of a better verse for every parent to have tattooed on the inside of their eyelids. That the greatest joy that you have is to hear of people, your children, other people's children walking in truth. The Bible commands us to be diligent in how we parent. Genesis 18, 19, it's on the board. Uh, God is in the process of figuring out what he's going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, hint, it's not good. And yet God has told Abraham that he's going to bless him and make him make a mighty nation that all the nations of the world will be blessed through him. And he doesn't quite understand because his nephew Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah and God's about to destroy the city. What exactly is happening? What should we tell Abraham? The heavenly court says. And in Genesis 8, 8, 9, 18, 19, God says this, I have chosen him, I have chosen Abraham so that, that's a command, that's a purpose statement. I have chosen him for the purpose that he will, listen to this word, it's not a good word in our day and age, command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he has promised him. Mom and dad, it is a command for you to raise your kids in such a way that they will keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous, righteousness and justice. This is a complete aside, but I love this, and this is what we aspire to. All throughout the Old Testament, I love the way that it talks about this. It says, you know, uh, so-and-so was the son of so-and-so, and they begat and begat and begat and begat, and he followed the God of his fathers. 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 You have read that phrase in your devotional time and searching through the Bible time and again, he, the God of his fathers. And you never really began to understand that that's the way God designed life for people to follow the example of their parents. And God wants to be the father of your kids. And he wants your faith to be the faith that they follow in. So don't live like a phony that your kids can't wait to get out from under your thumb the minute they turn 18. Love them and lead them in such a way that they want to follow the God of their fathers. Now, there are some multi-generational aspects to child-rearing. <clears throat> um, it's good to have a team. It's good to have babysitters. 
grandparents. Uh, it's good to have, you know, a bench that you can go to when your, your arm is just tired and you're, you've, you're outthrown. You need to call in a reliever. But there are some things related to multi-generational child rearing. There are some things that are to be pursued and there are some things that are to be avoided. Let me just say this as clearly as I can, and this is not nice, but I'm looking at something. I am looking at something that I see all the time, and it's just not good, okay? Grandparents should not have to raise their grandchildren. The problem is you have adults that while they have reached sexual maturity, that is apparently the only kind of maturity that they have reached because they are not financially mature, they are not relationally mature, they are not spiritually mature, and they have, they have aborted their role as parents so that now elderly moms and dads to those parents have to jump over a generation to raise their grandkids because their adult kids are incapable of being mature enough to sustain the life that they've created. Now, this is not a diatribe against grandparents because if you're not going to fulfill your responsibility, pray to God that somebody will. Pray to God that you have a grandparent that's more spiritually, more mature than you are because if you are the cap of where your kids are going to be, there are some of you that have kids that are doomed. Praise God for grandparents that want to bring their kids to church because their kids don't care enough. They don't have enough sense to get out of the storm of what is to come and yet it's not the thing that's supposed to happen. I have several sweet ladies that with tears... I don't have the energy to be a parent anymore. And they're not supposed to. That's why you have kids when you're young and dumb. <laughs> Your energy level's higher. That's why, like, grandparents, you know what makes being grandparents so great? You get to send them back whenever you want. You're like, hey, we had a great two hours together. And mom and dad have them for like 136 hours that week. You had them for two, no wonder it's great. Here's the point. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you cast a shadow over your family. And instead of kind of looking down your nose at the grandma that is perhaps empowering her children's irresponsibility by stepping in for her, listen, we're not going to let kids suffer because adults are still kids. We're not going to do that. We need to come alongside that grandmother or that grandfather and encourage them. And here's what's amazing to me. If you are a friend to somebody who's in that situation, you may have the opportunity to say something to their kids that they can't. You know that? Here's one of the most frustrating things about being a parent of, a teen, of teenagers, or uh, at least one and one who thinks she is. Um, is you can <laughs> I will pay for that later. Um, you, can, you can tell your kids something until you're blue in the face for years on end. And then one of their friend's parents tells them the exact same thing, and it's like all of the wax that has been accumulating in their ears for decades, in their ears for decades, has miraculously fallen out, and their auditory ability has returned. And they go, Wow, can you believe what you know Troy said? And I'm like, Really? I've been saying that for three years. Sometimes the best thing that you can do in this whole conundrum of parenting is speak truth into a life where there's not a relational bridge that might be burned because a mom and dad says something hard to their kids. You can do that, and it's safe. So one of the things that we do as the family of God is we speak truth in grace, but we speak truth. 
2 Chronicles 22.3 talks about how bad Ahaziah was as a king. Ahaziah was bad in his own right. But 2 Chronicles 22.3 says he was even worse than his own native badness because his mom continued to exert influence and she was wicked. She was wicked. So don't be a bad influence. If you're, if you're a bad influence, the best thing you can do is leave your kids the heck alone. Go move to an island where there's no other people and you don't have the opportunity to influence them because if you're wicked, the only influence you're going to do, there's not going to be anything good that comes from that. So all you wicked people, find an island and just go there. Leave your kids alone. But the Bible also gives us the reverse of that. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and chapter 3, Timothy is the godly young man that he is because of his mom and his grandmother. It specifically says grandmother. It says that there is a role for grandparents to play. And while we may face circumstances where grandparents have to do things they really shouldn't have to do, Timothy's heritage is because of his mom and his grandmom. And it's very important for us as parents to understand the difference between a proverb and a promise. A proverb is, raise a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. I cannot tell you how much harm that Bible passage has done because we've interpreted it as a promise when it is a proverb. A proverb is not true in every single circumstance. It is a general life principle. It is a nugget of truth that is generally true. But you and I both know people that have loved their kids the way Jesus has told them to love their kids. And now that they're adults, they don't talk about their kids that much because they're really kind of embarrassed at kind of how they turned out. You get that? And they bear a guilt for their adult children's lack of responsibility. It's not right. It's not right. Don't feel guilty. If you have done, and listen, did you do everything perfectly? Listen, I'm not even done parenting, and I know I've screwed up a ton, you know? God gives me grace to continue. Nobody does everything perfectly, but if you have done what you know you need to do, your kids' issues are their issues. Manasseh was a terrible king. But he was the son of Hezekiah, who there's a little kid song that talks about good king Hezekiah. One of the best kings in Israel after David was Hezekiah, who was faithful in executing all these duties and in turning people's hearts back from idols to the one true living God. And yet his son was one of the worst. Because Proverbs are not promises. They're general truths, but they're not truths that admit no exceptions. And so when we talk about the responsibility of bringing them up right, as we talk about this whole idea of responsibility, there's three responsibilities. I'm just going to hit this very quick and be done with it. Three responsibilities that I think that we have as parents to ensure that we are bringing them up right. Number one, we have to guard them. We have to guard them. What do we guard them against? You guard against bad things. Why do you put locks on your door? To keep the bad guys out. Why do you have a security system on your house or your car so that bad things don't happen to your property? You guard against bad things. Your kids have their own inclination. They have their own, uh, I love the word, the Puritans use the word besetting sins. Everybody has a besetting sin. You're smart if you know what it is. Men, yours might be anger, you know? Women, yours, I don't know what women's is, passivity, no, it's fine. You know, whatever that is. Whatever that sin is, that's what you got. Um, you know, lying, code language, whatever. Um, everybody has their besetting sin. And so you have to help your kid 
guard against their besetting sin. You have to guard them against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Number two, you have to guide them. You have to guide them. Has anybody ever been on a tour, taken a tour, had a guide, tour guide? Nobody has had a tour guide. Okay, where do the tour guides take you to? Oh, this is the, um, the wastewater treatment plant, and here's the um, garbage processing facility, and here's the slum. No, 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 no. Where does a guide take you to? A guide takes you to good places. So he's going to show you all the tourist spots, and he's going to say, you know, if you get there at a particular time and you take the picture from this angle, the sunlight will be just right, and you, know, you want to see this part of the Grand Canyon in the evening, you want to see this part in the morning. A guide takes you to good places. So guide your kids to follow Jesus in all things. Guide them. Number three, I needed another G word. And Amanda, don't look at me. Don't, 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 I, I feel it, I feel it. I'm getting a phone call. You guard your kid, you guide your kid, and you gourmet your kid. Hey, it works. What do you do when you gourmet? You feed them. What do you feed them? You feed them this. How many of you will just be so blessed to hear that when your kids leave your house that they eat McDonald's chicken nuggets seven nights a week? Bless my heart. So proud of him. So economical. I don't know if you know this. There's a guy who's trying to get like 180 million Wendy's tweets so that he gets Wendy's nuggets for the rest of his life for free. They give him some ridiculous number that if he can get 180 million likes. So there's this massive campaign now for this guy to get 180 million retweets and Wendy's will give him free nuggets for the rest of his life and he will never eat at another fast food restaurant ever. That makes me ill just thinking about it. We have a responsibility to guard them. We have a responsibility to guide them and to gourmet them, to help them be able to feed themselves from God's Word. Are they hearing the Word of God? Are they reading the Word of God? Are they studying the Word of God? Are they memorizing the Word of God? Are they meditating the Word of God? Without these five essentials, there will be no diet to sustain their spiritual health. The truth is this. Kids are a blessing that will be inconvenient. And all God's parents said, they will be expensive. And all God's people really said, Amen. your kids will take you outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> I don't even know anything about ballet. All right, no, enough there. I'll just stop there. They will take you out of your comfort zone. Your kids will cause you to lose sleep. And you will shed bucketfuls of tears. Despite all of this, the Bible says that children are absolutely, unreservedly, without question, a blessing from the Lord. And who's to say, if you reorient your attitude, that God won't so bless you that you achieve far more through your parenting than you could ever hope to achieve through the most glittering career that you could dream of? Pray with me, please.
Father, we acknowledge that we just need a heart check every once in a while. And it is so easy for us to fall into the world's way of thinking. I appreciate so much the way Donovan worded his testimony today, that he knew he was being shaped by the culture. And Father, I'm afraid sometimes that we bring our kids to church on Sunday and we live like the rest, we parent like the rest of the world Monday through Saturday. Father, we have to think very deeply about this. For us to be involved in discipling people in India when we're not even discipling the people that live under our own roof is a hypocrisy of the first order. So, Father, I pray that for us who are believers, that you help us not just to be parents, not mere parents, but parents who disciple. Those of us that have not had kids or are out of the childbearing years, that you help us to think of ways that we can pursue that blessing ourselves, whether it's encouraging young families and providing the support that maybe you didn't even have when you were a young family, or perhaps you ha- are inspiring even more people to pursue adoption. So grateful for the, for the couples that are to share their home as Jesus shared his life with an exchange student for one semester. To intervene in a, the life of a child whose entire world has unraveled because now they have a mom and a dad who is incarcerated and they don't even know when they're going to be able to hug their mother or father again. Father, you tell us that children are a blessing. And for us this morning, we need to find ways to connect the attitude of blessing and the perspective that your word gives with our mission to build strong families, not just within the walls of the church, but outside into this community. So help us to have missionary minds and disciplers' hearts that try to connect home and church and world as we seek to obey you in building strong families and loving the blessing of kids that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.